Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is awesome to be here. I am so excited to be here in this new year. Uh, all the opportunities that God has going on in and through us, His church, uh, that we are not waiting for a movement from God, but we're living in and experiencing God's moving activity right here with us, right in the middle of us, that God is using us to make a difference in this world, that God is calling us us to make a big difference in this world, and so I'm excited that we get to do that. Um, my hope is that if you're new here first, I just want to say welcome, whether you're joining us online or in person, thanks so much for being here, for being a part of this celebration of who God is and what we believe God is doing in our lives. Uh, whether you are a brand new Christian or not even a Christian yet, or somebody who's been walking in relationship with God for years and years, you're welcome here. We're excited about the prospect of growing in relationship with God. We know that we're not perfect, uh, but that God is. And so we want to be more like Jesus. We want to allow Jesus more access to our lives. We want to allow Jesus to transform us from the inside out so that we can be more like him, so that we can love people the way that he wants us to, so that we can care and share his love and grace with those outside of the church, so that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus and make an impact on the world on, on his behalf. And so my hope is that you'll join us. You'll go on a journey with us, growing in relationship with God so that we can love our neighbor. That's the whole concept that we have this new year, uh, this new year series that we've been doing called Wholehearted, the idea of growing in relationship with God so that we can love God and love our neighbor and, and, and be wholehearted about it. That uh, We talked about in the very beginning that resolutions fail so frequently because our heart isn't in it. We said that true change begins and ends in the, in the heart. Uh, and, and that's so true and so powerful. If we are, are in it with our heart, then, then change will occur. Uh, and last week, we talked about God's purpose, um, that God has a plan and a purpose for our life, and, and that purpose inspires us, especially if we're wholehearted. When we're wholehearted toward God, that, that plan can inspire us to, to wake up in the morning, to get active, to be more like Jesus each and every moment of each and every day. And, and this new year, uh, we, we just need to be all in. I, I think so badly the world needs to see followers of Jesus living out their faith by following Jesus, that we could be wholehearted and make a, a drastic impact in the world, not because we are judgmental, not because we are filled with anger and animosity, but instead because we are filled with the love of God for our neighbor, that we're filled with the love of God to make a difference in the world. Uh, and that's, that's why we're on this message series. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with a question. And I'm guessing most everybody will say yes to this, but do you like movies? My dad really wasn't a movie guy. He, uh, he loved uh, to watch history and documentaries and things like that, but, but just didn't really like movies all that much. I, on the other hand, I just loved movies. 
I, I couldn't get enough of them. Uh, they, they told a story that, that I could watch and see, and I loved the, the cinematography and the way that they would make uh, the, the screen look and how they could do certain things, uh, and, and it just moved me. So I loved movies. I, I mean, books were good because you could go into that imagination space, and, and quite frankly, now I, I think I love books more than I loved movies, but, uh, but the, the thing about movies that always seems to go in, in just the right moment is their timing, right? They always seem to resolve, especially American movies. Sometimes you see foreign movies and they just resolve very weird, in, in my opinion. Um, it's not a happy ending. There's awful things that happen. Uh, but some of the best movies for me uh, resolve and, and, and it's a good ending and you're like, yes, they did what they needed to do <laughs> and they were successful in that. And they did it with a special sense of timing. Like everything seems to wrap up right on time. One second before all catastrophe hits, they're able to solve the problem or, or something along those lines and everything wraps up right on time. One of the, the best uh, at this sort of thing was a lady named Agatha Christie. She wrote novel after novel after novel using uh, a guy named Hercule Poirot. Poirot is an inspector. Um, and Agatha Christie, like I remember the movies more than the books, uh, like Ten Little Indians or Death on the Nile, the original Death on the Nile, not the remake, or Murder on the Orient Express, the original, again, not the remake. And, and, and uh, what is amazing about how Agatha Christie reveals all of the things at the end is just the timing. Like Hercule Poirot inspects and listens, and he really seems like he doesn't know what's going on until just the right moment when everyone is together. And he gives this moment of revelation where he explains not only who did it, but why they did it and how they did it. And, and, and you see the information being presented through the entirety of the story. And, and it's just an amazing moment because timing for Agatha Christie in her movies and in her novels is everything, everything. And just as in the movies, timing in real life is very important. It's important to get the timing right. The truth is the best laid plans have precise timing. The best laid plans have precise timings. I mean, we, we've seen this all over our lives. I, I'm sure that we have experienced this. When, when the timing gets out of whack, then things get stressed out and th people get stressed out. The airline industry is a great bad example of that right now. Over the, the holidays, Southwest Airlines got hammered for their problems with their, their routing and scheduling software. Their scheduling software wasn't up to snuff, so people weren't at the right place at the right time, and flights started getting backed up, and, and it fell apart. The FAA's planning and routing stuff all fell apart uh, this past week. And, and so we, we see what happens when plans go awry, when, when plans don't go the way that they're supposed to, when timing falls apart. Mike Tyson, uh, who I don't quote very often from the pulpit, but he has a great, a great quote. He said this, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Everyone has a plan until they get punched 
in the face because that's when plans and timing start to go out the window because then you don't know what to do next because uh, whether it's a physical punch or just some change to the scenario or situation that causes disruption, it, it gets frustrating. And to be totally honest, this is probably the most frustrating part for me of dealing with God. I, I, I have been told and understand that God's timing is perfect. But to me, sometimes, sometimes it can seem pretty dang inconvenient. <laughs> it's, it's downright frustrating at times. And, and I, I, I attribute this to my faith because, you know, I don't want to yell at myself. Um, so I say, you know, well, I have faith and I know that God would do something uh, if he would just do it now. And I understand that it only seems inconvenient because I only see a part of what's going on. I only understand a part of God's greater plan that, that includes way more information and more people than I could even conceive of, but it doesn't make it any less difficult. Uh, maybe this concept is new for you, that God has a plan and a purpose and, and has perfect timing, but the core of our understanding of who God is revolves around His use of time and, and perfection in that. That, that. that God knows what He has planned and what He has in store, and God is working in our world to bring that about. Last week, we talked about Jeremiah, and we, we, we use that quote all the time, I have a plan and purpose for your life, God says. Um, but we, we pull that out of context we pull that out of context. We don't hear the fullness of that. Most of us don't even know what that's about. We think it's just about us, that God's saying, hey, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. But he was specifically speaking to the people in Israel who, were, who had been carted off into exile by the Babylonians. And yet, Jeremiah offers this hope to them from the Lord. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God's plan included 70 years in exile. 70 years of waiting. I mean, that's the ultimate, oh, could you please go a little faster, Lord? I mean, we, we, I, I know the problem is we, we think too selfishly and too linearly because for me, when I think about that, when I really allow myself, let's just imagine that we were there and God says, in 70 years, I'm going to fulfill my promise to you. I'm like, in 70 years, I'm going to be dead. What good is your plan to me in 70 years? And, and, and that reveals the truth is that I'm more focused on my part of God's plan than on God's ultimate plan. I mean, the greatest example, the greatest example of God's timing and God's plan coming to fruition is the incarnation, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it comes on the heels of thousands of years of God's people getting it wrong, being carted off into exile time and time again, turning away, returning, turning away, returning, turning away, returning to a relationship 
with God, and then 400 years in which God had been silent, where they had been invaded and carted off, and, and, and now they were, uh, they were under the occupation of the Roman Empire. 400 years of God's silence. And God knew the timing. God knew what he was doing, and, and it was purposeful. And, and historians can look and say, you know, this was honestly the only time in history that something like this could truly happen. The, the roads that Rome had put in, the way that information had spread, the pockets of communities outside of the Jewish homeland of Israel that, that had Jews in them because of the, the repeated exiles that they had gone into, that God used this moment in time as a better moment than any other moment. And it demonstrates just how perfect God's timing was. And Paul, in his letter to the Romans, says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. At just the right time. <laughs> the hardest part for me, and maybe for you, is listening and waiting, but most importantly, trusting. Trusting that God's going to do what I believe God is going to do. Trusting that what I know about God is going to be fulfilled by God. Trusting that the things of God are going to transpire in the way that God has them in mind, and it's going to work out for me as well. And that's the key to it. I worry and I fret about so many things. I worry, I worry about the, the weather on Sunday. Is it going uh, to be okay? Are people going to be able to be able to get into the worship space? I, I worry about the opportunities we have to, to follow Jesus. I worry that we're going to pay our mortgage and, and the staff. I worry that we're going to have uh, quality food on Wednesday nights. I worry that my message is going to fall short. I worry about everything. And that's just the worry I have for the church. That's not the worry I have in my own life. Like I want us so desperately do I want us to faithfully follow God that I overstep and I, I take, take my place to say, we're going to get through this together and I'm going to lead us through this instead of stepping back and saying, I, I recognize, God, that this is your church and I'm just here. I'm just another one of the people you have called to be a part of your church. Another one of us. So God, help me to get that. And, and I worry and I fret about all that. And I hear Jesus when he says something so simple. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can anyone of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? <laughs> I hear that, and I'm so dejected because I worry about so many things. 
I mean, don't worry. Trust God. Trust God's timing. Trust God's purpose. Trust God in everything. It's so inconvenient. And yet, and yet I think that's where I find find some peace in God. Uh, The psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. This, This can be so difficult. This can be so hard because this involves trust. Trust. And that's the key to being wholehearted. That, that scripture verse means so much to me because I have a good friend um, and his friend, he, he's a pastor and his, his pastoral mentor had, had cancer and was, was not doing well and he was walking around his house and he was upset with God because he knew that God could fix it. And he was yelling at God to get God's attention. And he's told me it's the only time he heard God's voice audibly. And God said, be still and know that I am God. Trust me even with the life of your friend. This is the key to being wholehearted. This is how we can be wholehearted. It's because we have to start trusting God. We have to believe that God is working and and acting on our behalf, and we have to trust in His plan, His purpose for our lives and for the lives of those around us. And I think that that Scripture verse reveals a way that we can embrace that, that truly, first, we can be still, Stop doing and planning and thinking and, and, and worrying and fretting and, and trust instead. Now, this, doesn't, this does not mean that you just throw out the window any intellectual activity at all. It is ultimately knowing that God is in control. Be still. Be still. Second is to let God be God. Believe and trust that God truly is working on your behalf and on the behalf of the building of God's kingdom and that we can play a primary role in that and trust that even if we don't see the outcome, even if we get punched in the face, even if things aren't going the way that they are supposed to, that we can believe and trust in God. And finally, to know that God is with you. To know that God is right here alongside us. And that when we mourn, God mourns with us. When we weep, God weeps with us. When we are heartbroken, God is heartbroken with us. And we celebrate, God celebrates. And when we have victories, God is relishing in our victories. And when we do the things that God has called us to, so many things can change. If you're like me, friends, This is so difficult. I have learned more about my pridefulness, about my self-centeredness, about my need for control and my relationship with Christ than I have in anything else. And I can promise you every single time, every single time that I relinquish control, 
I see God more clearly than I did before. I, I don't know what's wrong with me that I am so hardwired to try and take that control back. I see God more and more every time I let go. Every time I say, God, you have full control. You move in, in the way that you want me to. You live in me in the way that you want me to go. I'll, I'll go wherever you want. I'll do whatever you want. I try and take that back time and time again. And I have to force myself to say, it's not me that's in control, but God. Because every time I do that, it goes so much better. Every time I trust, I, my trust is rewarded. <laughs> and we can learn to trust God only when we let God be God. Not when we, when we try and take some of that control for ourselves. Not when we let God be God over this portion of our lives, but not that portion. Not when we let God uh, have control of a little bit of us, but not the whole thing. But only when we give to God our entire being, when we are wholehearted in our relationship, in our trust, that's when we're able to see God moving in such a powerful way. God has a plan and purpose for your life. God has timing involved in that. And the whole idea of being wholehearted is to learn to trust, to allow God to be God and to live fully into his hope and promise. So my hope is that as we have come here today that, that, that we can lean into this, that we can say, God, I need you. Truly, I need you to be a part of my life. Truly, I need you to reinvent me from the ground up. Uh, come into my heart and into my mind and change me into the person you want me to be. Help me to trust. And in that, we can be wholehearted. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for the things that you do on our behalf. And God, we thank you that you love us. Help us to trust you. Help us to surrender our control. Help us to be all in. Help us to be wholehearted. We pray this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, Amen.